Welcome back to Unboxing Logistics. I'm Lori Boyer, and I am the host of the hottest podcast in <laughs> logistics. That's what I like to say, Jane. <laughs> At least in the eyes of my mother. Um, <laughs> the best podcast. I have the most awesome guests and the most fantastic community in you guys. Love you. Love having you here. Love having you participate. Today, we have a super cool topic. We are going to be talking all things product, product management, everything you need to know about making sure that your product is what your audience wants and is on fire. To do that, I brought in none other than <laughs> Ching Pei. She is our product guru here at Easy Post. And I want her to tell you all about herself. Um, so Ching, take it away. Tell us your role and a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Hey everyone, I'm Ching Pei. I'm the VP of product here at Easy Post. I've been here about a year and a half. Previous to that, I started my career in technical sales and uh, have been in the SaaS industry for a long time. So um, this is really exciting for me to be here to talk to you all about product management. It is something that, you know, I found a passion in because of my love of customers, what we can do for our customers. And uh, having made that transition from sales into product, it was absolutely the right move for me. I love, and I had to tell you guys, I was talking to Ching earlier. I love that she has this connection with sales. She has a background in marketing as well <laughs> um, with product. Cause I just think yep. that is so critical. And so great for you to really understand who your customers are and know the importance of that. So we're going to dive into all of that. But before we get going, I want to kind of get to know a little bit more about you. Sure. So this season, I've been asking all of my guests two questions. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to ask you both of them now, and then you can answer <laughs> them. So my first question is, what were you like in high school? And my second oh question is going to be, if you won the lottery today, how would your life look different? And how would it be the same? So high school. Oh, high school. She uh, can't remember that far. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. Or we're trying to block it out sometimes. Um, high school was an awkward stage of life for me. Um, I didn't know really where I was, who I was, what I wanted to do. And I felt like everyone else around me had an idea of that. Mm. And, you know, started to pick colleges and understood majors. And I was like, Ooh, I, there's like so many things out in the world. Why do I have to do one thing? And so now being in product, it makes a lot more sense Yes, because I do like to dabble in just about everything. So I love that answer. You know, I have been so fascinated asking people this because it runs the full gamut of like, I dropped out of high school and started working at 16 too. I was the homecoming queen too. I was the perfect straight A student too. I was a deadhead to, you know, it's like, and yeah. yet there's all these amazing successful people. Yeah. So if we got high schoolers in our audience, <laughs> you know, it's okay. You don't have to have everything figured out You don't have to have yet. it figured out. Exactly. I love it. Okay. So if you won the lottery today, okay, how would your life look different, the same? Um, I think it would be a little different because, you know, well, one, I'd have a lot of money, so <laughs> I don't know that I would work necessarily. Okay, great. Um, so that's the first question. So you'd probably not work. I'd probably not work to, to like, 
for someone else. I probably work for myself and okay. try and figure out how to start a business oh. or run something or take a passion of mine and create something out of it. I don't think I would not work. I'm just not built yeah. that way. Yeah, me too. So um, I need the the. I can't lay on the beach well. just all yeah, day. Yeah. I no, mean, do don't it. get me wrong. Like, it's fun sometimes. But... I'd love to say I work out four hours a day, but I don't. <laughs> exactly. So that's also exactly. not an option of like work out four hours, so sit on the beach So we need an excuse to actually be like, I yeah. need to go to work. I can't exactly. go to the gym again. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that. So that's really cool. A little bit of that entrepreneurial spirit there yeah. in you. That's awesome. Okay. So before we get started, one thing that's really important to me is that our audience has takeaways. Some okay. things that they can know, like, okay, I've listened to this. What is it I can do today to kind of get things going? So do you have one or two sort of takeaways? And we can come back sure. and talk about those later. But what are things that you would want our audience to know after they listen today? I think the big thing if you – and I come from – my background is in SaaS and tech, right, and not mm-hmm. so much in logistics. And so what's interesting is when you're kind of there, like pushing the boundaries of technology, you're really enthralled with the new things that are happening. I think it's always good to take a deep breath, understand what the hype is about, and then understand how that applies to your business. Mm. So for example, the hot topic right now is AI AI, and ML, oh. right? Mm-hmm. Machine learning. And so... Yes, those are really great buzzwords, but you really have to understand what the value is that's going to drive for your business and who are the early stage companies that should be looking at those. Do you, are your customers early adopters, right? If they're not, something like that would actually um, hinder your business because mm, they would that. be very hesitant, right, to buy into anything that has AI or ML kind of marketed to it. So. I think it's important to understand what technology can do for your business, but you really have to be careful of, you know, the the new and great shiny thing that's out there, right? I feel like that starts with like a really strong understanding of your business and your audience and your industry, to start, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. I I just love that point. We often get sucked in by that new shiny, you know, I yep. read some study that just putting the word AI into marketing can sometimes get more people to grab, grab, grab. Yeah, yeah. And, but it's not necessarily what's best long term. No. And, you know, it can also just be a repackaging, right? You, you may mm-hmm. have already done a lot to create AI-like or ML-like services and so now it's just looking at what you've already done and saying, okay, actually, this is machine learning, right? We've been taking our customer data, helping them analyze it, figure out the trends that are happening, right? Yes. Uh, is it all automated? Maybe not. But, you know, we're, we're pretty close to understanding what that looks like. So the hype can be real, depends on your industry, yes. depends on how hard you're trying to push at the forefront. Okay. I love that because... It is so, so true. You guys, you may be doing AI. I mean, that's what you're saying is that they may already have AI and they just, you don't even recognize it, right? And so that is really insightful. I love that. Thank you. Any other takeaways you have? You have to really think about your growth trajectory if you want to bring product into your organization, right? Um, It's not for every business to need a product manager Mm -hmm. and that is not what, you know, the product yeah. management industry is going to want to hear. I <laughs> know. You're, you're here saying this as a VP of product if management. You're, but. If you're a very small startup or you're a, a couple person shop trying to get your 
understanding of the customer, your technology, right? You have a very specific vision and you understand your priorities. There might not be a need yet for mm -hmm. product, right? So ass constantly assessing where you are in your product journey is going to help you determine, do I need a, a, my first product management hire, right? Or yes. do I need the practice within my organization? Okay. Absolutely crucial. That's a big point I want to make sure we talk about today is I know a lot of companies that I'll talk to will share they wouldn't know. You know, yeah. I think there's a lot. We do get those small businesses out there, even larger companies, where it's hard to figure out at what point do I bring these in. So that's yeah. a point that I'm going to want it. In fact, let's just talk about it right now. Okay. So Great. let's say you're a small business, small, mid-size. Sure. Well, how, what are some of the signs maybe that you need product management to come in? Yeah, it's tough. Um, there's going to be a lot of indicators. So product shouldn't be looked upon as project management, right? I think a lot of times there's some confusion around the road. Okay, okay, wait. Say it again. Product is not project management. Product management <laughs> is not project management. There you go. <laughs> yes. Okay, okay. great. Um, because, you know, it's not just about how do I get the blocks moving through engineering or development out to market or when you're developing a physical product, how do I figure out the specs to build that physical product out to market? What you're really focused on is understanding how that impacts your business, right? It always comes back to customer value. Yes. So an indication for you to know whether or not you need a product manager is, you know, we have hundreds of requests coming in from our customers. We are working through them one by one, but don't really have an idea of which ones will actually drive the most value for not only our customer, but also we're running businesses here ourselves, yes. right? And um, we're kind of just doing first in, first out, but first in, first out isn't working for us now. It's taking a lot of time to get that really big project done. And there's all these little small ones that we could get out the door that could incrementally increase our value if we had just gotten them done quickly. Okay, so first in, first out, for people who wouldn't understand, that means the first request that comes in from a customer is the first thing you work on. Yep, and the first one that you get delivered. Okay, right? and so what you're saying is that you may get request A, but requests B, C, and D are small and easy and may yep. have more value. Yep. Yep. Okay, that's yeah. really interesting. Um, and then you may have customer expectations that aren't being met. And as hard as your customer success and your sales teams are out there trying to set those boundaries, you know, your development team or your engineering team is feeling the weight of it, right? Mm, and mm -hmm. really everything's on fire all the time. Okay. So those are, it's a combination of those things, right? The value... Your engineering team's working a little too hard on things that might not drive that value. And then your customer success team is getting stuck in the middle trying to meet these expectations. Okay. That's when you need somebody to come in and kind of say, okay, hang on one second. Let's talk about what it is that, you know, we're trying to accomplish as a business. What is it going to do for our customers if we work on project A versus project C? And if Project C is a one-week project that we can get out the door, should we just get it done? Mm. Right. So how do you balance then? So first of all, I want to summarize, make sure I'm keeping up. Mm -hmm. So some of the indicators that it may be time for product management is that you are getting a lot of requests from customers for features and additions, things like that, and that your customer success team is struggling 
with things are being on fire and there's a little bit of a lack of direction there in what to do. Yep. Um, how do you balance then maybe what is feels like kind of what the company wants to do? So in our case, it would be EasyPost. So yeah. how do you balance what EasyPost goals are with all these customer requests that are coming in? How, yeah. do, how do you find that so balance? In that first state, right, you would actually never balance the two. You're always mm -hmm. reactive. So it's always what the customer is asking that you're working on. In order for you to get out of that cycle, somebody has to come in and prioritize the work and look at the ecosystem of competitors, your customers, um, your partners to understand how is it that we can move to kind of continue to carve out our niche, right? Okay. You'll talk about things like um, carving out a competitive moat. How do I create this barrier between me and my competitors that will allow us to be continue to be successful in the long term? Mm -hmm. And you have different functions that do that, right? Marketing yeah. does a little mm -hmm. bit of that. Mm -hmm. Sales does a little bit of that. But it's all kind of fragmented. And so product okay. really needs to kind of bring all of that together. Yeah, I think of product as a center spoke of a wheel and each of your departments kind of surrounding that, right? When a product manager comes in, what they're doing is they're hearing all of this feedback coming in, okay. external customers and internal customers. And then that's their job to come in and then prioritize, right? And really look at the mm -hmm. business and say, where is our trajectory? Where is our value? How are we going to get healthy in terms of that balance between reactive versus proactive? Yes. I'm sure some of our community out there would want to know, okay, I am kind of small and guilty. I'm a little reactive. How do you let customers know, you know what I mean? How do you prioritize yeah. your needs and are they going to get super mad? Is, yeah. You know, how, what do you do? What can they do? Uh, it starts with your customer success and your growth teams, actually. So sales, okay. implementation, right? Anyone that's customer facing support uh, first. And it's about level setting expectations. So when a deal comes in, they may say things like, I have to have X to sign with you. Okay. And what you'll find is if you can sit down, have a calm conversation with your customer to say, hey, here's where we stand. I would love to do that for you. Um, but, you know, this is the balance that we kind of have to set with ourselves. And having just that voice of reason come in and kind of say like, hey, I understand we're also running a business here. You'll find that a lot of people are amenable to their okay. timelines. Um, and sometimes you actually, this is where you might need product because okay. you might not want to put your customer success, your growth teams in a position where they have to be the naysayer. Yes. Right. Yes. And mm -hmm. so you bring in another voice that's accountable for that mm -hmm. and to make sure that, you know, you're kind of meeting Turn the into the bad there. guy team. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. I, I get right? that though. Somebody you can be like... The customer support is like, I want to help you so much, but yeah. mean old product here says you have to wait six months. <laughs> You're yeah. not always the good guy. So um, in fact, I think a lot of times you'll see product being the scapegoat for a lot of things. Yes, I'm sure. Okay. So that's super interesting. So I can see it. You know, we have a lot of 3PLs and whatnot who are in our audience and our customer base here. They get tons of companies coming in. Yes. You know, how big should a product team be to be successful? I mean, are, okay, let's talk logistics specifically. Okay. How 
first of all, is logistics industry with product management different maybe than some other industries? Logistics is a little bit different than what you would think of for a tech company. So for a company like EasyPost and those that uh, are technology forward in their industry, mm-hmm. it's actually a really interesting balance that you have mm-hmm. to strike. Logistics being a little bit more tangible, even if you're on the tech side, okay. um, than someone like my former company Splunk, right? Mm-hmm. Which is th- nothing about it is tangible. It's yes. all software, right? Um, and so you don't get to kind of push the boundaries of innovation always. Mm-hmm. You have to actually meet the industry where it is. Meet the industry where it is. Yeah. Another and- great chingism <laughs> of brilliance. Love that. And so you may not be the forerunner in innovating in technology. What you're doing is you're bringing in um, forward-thinking tech tech to an industry that has traditionally been actually a laggard, right, in in, in change. We can all admit it. We know. We're (laughs) a little slow adapting. And spreadsheets. (laughs) I have my paper here. So, yeah, I'm guilty myself. Yeah. Um, And so... You know, it might be just taking those spreadsheets and figuring out how to automate some of those processes. It doesn't have to be mind-blowing artificial intelligence level, right? You can do small things that can really impact your business. So our industry is known for being kind of slow, like you mentioned. (laughs) We like to lag behind, but I love that you said that because I feel like I'm the kind of person who... It can seem so overwhelming that I just don't do anything. Right. (laughs) And I think that's the hard thing, right? Um, And, you know, I think a lot of people actually suffer from the easy pose sometimes also suffers from that little secret. Um, Because you do, you want to put out this like brand new, very shiny, very big impact item out into the marketplace and see what happens. When in reality, you need to look at your customer value, right? What the customers are asking for. And I always like to say, dip your toe into the water, right? Mm -hmm. You just want to feel out the market. If I do this one little piece, I know there's a thousand other little asks after this. But if I do this one core piece that I've identified as the most important thing to my customer, will they actually be interested in what I create? And so that doesn't take much. That should be automating one simple process at a time, right? It's taking one spreadsheet and figuring out how to create technology out of that spreadsheet. Okay, great. Now that I've gotten it out there, you look for feedback. It's this constant feedback loop that you're looking for. So um, we used to, in product management and development, work in big chunks of work. So you'd make a guess and say, I think the customer wants this whole big project done. And you would spend a year building it, but by then the market has changed. And put it out to market and find that, you know, you didn't have the customer demand that you thought you did. So then you just spent however much it cost you in development time for an entire year, right, depending on the size of your team, to get that out to market to realize I'm not going to make a lot on it. My customers aren't really interested. And so if you can get something out every quarter, This is why we go into iterative, Mm -hmm. right, two-week sprints, Mm -hmm. releasing every two weeks, right? And we can get into CICD pipelines, but probably not a good idea. Um, But if you can get into that rhythm of, hey, every quarter we're going to release something really small that's impactful. 
and then I can measure it mm-hmm. and understand, right? And you can measure it in a couple different ways. It could be customer interaction. It could be customer interest. It could be your revenue numbers. Yeah, Did you sell right. a couple of those, right? Um, and from there, you can determine, okay, now I need to go get more feedback because maybe the click-through rate wasn't as high as I would have liked. Maybe mm-hmm. I missed revenue targets by 20%. Okay, let's go look at all those closed loss deals and understand what it was about it that missed. Right? Yes. So it sounds like what you're saying is we're looking for quick wins. Yes. Rather than a big long term project. I love it was yeah. an aha moment for me when you talked about how, you know, it may take a long time. Today's market changes Fast. Very fast. And it, yeah. that's different from even 10, 15 years ago, especially in right. the logistics industry yeah. where we've traditionally been a little slower. And yeah. so I think that that is so insightful. Things may change quickly. So if you're, let's say you're an e-commerce, if you're some of my e-com people out there, you know, maybe they wanted to get a new shirt. You may not want to spend a year on designing some new product right. that yeah. is way out of style by the time <laughs> it comes out. Or an entire line based on, you know, yes. something that's that's not, that's actually fleeting, right? So, um, mm, so maybe you come out with socks, right? Just that it, and then you're seeing how it does, That's and you're right. like, "Whoa, these like took off." I should yep. add X. Maybe you pick a color of sock, right? Yeah. And then you um, let the customer tell you, "Oh, I'd rather have it in blue than black." Great. Okay. Let's go look at blue. So let's talk about getting customers on board. Customer, sure. you know, you mentioned before, customer interaction is critical with product. Yep. There's kind of this merger thingy going on. So, um, you know, how quickly do you get customers involved with beta or, you know, what, yeah, what, yeah. what kind of customer feedback do you look back for before you launch a product versus during launch, all of that? Uh, it is dependent on what I'm launching, okay. but generally speaking... Customers are um, involved from day one. So the okay. the kernel of the idea comes out, we'll vet it with the customer. Hey, okay. we heard this in the market. Is this something that would be of value to you? Yes, great. Um, if we were to create a product to help meet this need, would you buy it? Mm-hmm. All right, simple question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, no. If they say okay. no, then it's like, okay, what... Is it free that you were looking okay. for? Is it just not even valuable? So, at all? how do you get this customer feedback? Do you we, are you emailing? Are you having certain customers that you're having? We try advisors? really hard not to disrupt how many calls right are involved because right. you got to think they're they're being hassled by salespeople, uh, customer success, implementation. They're talking to support their customers. Well, right? that's they're what you busy. want is them going to the competition because yes. they're like whoa. Too much, right? Yeah. So we try and piggyback off of um, already existing calls okay. with okay. customer success or with support or other ways to kind of jump in, right? Okay. If support faces right. an interesting topic, um, we may say like, hey, can I jump on the call with the customer when you explain this? Okay. Right. Um, so lots of calls, lots of okay. emails can be exchanged. Some customers really love giving us feedback. And so mm-hmm. we'll open up a dialogue. You should yes. never be afraid to let your customers talk to your product team. Okay. Right. Another great quote. Never be afraid <laughs> to let your customers talk to your product team. I'm even going to say it right this time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, because you want that kind of raw feedback because sometimes when it goes through the grapevine, 
it can get misinterpreted along the way. Yeah. So, um, so that, and when we go through that process, we're constantly talking, here's the idea, here's what we're thinking, here's what we're going to develop. Are you interested in beta? And beta is Mm -hmm. an interesting ask. So I don't like to do betas. Okay. If what we're releasing is really, really complicated. Okay. And you don't, okay. and, it, and your customer base I would think engaged. it would be the opposite almost. So yeah. explain why. You don't so, like to do beta for complicated Yes, things. because what you're doing in a beta is the traditional beta, you're going to give a customer a login, right? You're going to uh-huh. say, hey, try it out. Okay. Here are some instructions. Well, if it's complicated, your instruction is going to be probably 15 pages long, 10 mm. pages long, five pages. Five pages is even too much. Yeah. If it's more than one page, nobody's going to read it. Right? No, no. So you put them in a position where they're already busy with their day-to-day. And then you're saying, here's five pages of instructions you're going to have to read to use this thing that I just put out in front so of you. Put a burden on them. That Yeah, that mostly benefits me. Yeah, right. exactly. Um. Oh, and by the way, I'll give you a free T-shirt afterwards. That's it's not. I mean, it's not going to fly. So, what we try to do is really use betas when we are absolutely unsure about what it is that we've need we we need for our customer, and then we pick a very small piece of it right to beta. Mm. So you want to give really really concise direction as to what it is that you're looking for, what the goal that they might be trying to accomplish. And then for your internal teams, for your product managers, Mm -hmm. for your development teams, for your customer success managers, you have to set kind of a parameter of what is success, right, from Mm -hmm. that beta. And that's that's typically how I run it. And it has to be pretty short. So the longer – I found the longer you leave a beta in front of a customer, the less they actually play with it. Yeah, that makes sense. Because they go, all right, well, I have time. Sparkly's over. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, and plus, that's detrimental to you getting it out to market, yeah. right? So if we talk about sense of urgency and needing okay. to get something out to market first or second, you know, you don't have a lot of time to spend in beta. Yeah. Right. So you so want that's to interesting. So you break the complicated stuff down into small chunks yep. of beta. Yeah. So it's still kind of going to beta, but just in little pieces. Yeah. And so this actually comes back to really that MVP, right? Minimum viable mm-hmm. product. The small you want to be releasing something, you know it's not going to meet a hundred percent of the market ask. Yeah, you probably know that it's not going to meet eighty percent of the market ask. Okay. You might even be meeting thirty percent of the market ask, right? Mm-hmm. But it better be the core thirty percent, the mm-hmm. the actual customer base that you are at going after. And you take that, and that's what you take to market. So now inherently, it's already smaller. And then when you cut the beta down even smaller, you're just looking for specific feedback on a specific thing in that MVP. Okay, I right? love don't that. don't just give them everything thinking that they're going to give you constructive feedback. Right? Yeah, no, and, and people aren't always that great on feedback. The more complicated it gets, that's right. It's like, oh, I didn't like it. Yep. 
okay, well, why didn't you like it? And what pieces of it didn't you like? Yeah. And, and then it gets uh, to be a whole thing. So throughout the process then, so you said customers, they're involved day one. We've got them in there. All the way through. All the way through to the end of the life cycle of the product. You know, if you're going to sunset something, put it away, do you continue to have feedback on the product throughout from um, customers? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So always. We have customer feedback all the way till probably the last day the product is running, right? Okay. Um, but at the end of the cycle, you want to be really sensitive mm. to how you handle that because if you decide to try and garner feedback on end of support, end of life, we're migrating you to this new new thing, right? Um, you really want to be sensitive to how that's going to affect their business mm. and how it's going to affect their day-to-day if you throw this kind of wrench into their yes into the equation for them. And sometimes right. we're super excited about it and they're like, whoa, here, Sally. Yeah, did you, you just know? tell me I have more work to do? Yeah, Because like, that's what I heard. This right? does not, so I yeah. know how to do that. Yes. You know, and in that same kind of vein, we'll re, you know, in our industry, we don't like to change a lot. Yeah. So I love that. It, product is about the customer. It, it's all it's about, about sounds customer. like it's knowing right. and understanding who they are what they want, and thinking about them with every move you make. And customer, in this case, I want to clarify this, is your external customers, the people that actually pay for your service, and your internal customers. This is your growth teams. This is your engineers. This is your marketing team, right? Mm -hmm. Because um, I think we miss that latter customer a lot, thinking – we're only focused on the end customer. Mm. So for example, Lori, um, what you'll see and what I've kind of seen in in you know my previous industry, which is observability and monitoring, is the product can be really hard to onboard. Okay. And so if you don't do a lot to enable your implementation teams, for instance, then your engineering team is always burdened with every onboarding. And then that drives your product development cycle to slow down. And then you're not yes. able to meet some of the customer value that's being driven. Oh, my goodness. Right? So, what, so when you were talking about the spoke earlier and how yeah. product's the center, just one of those spokes is the external customer. Yes. The other spokes are marketing and engineering and yes. sales and designers and whoever else you need to get buy-in. That's right. So basically... You guys have to be like omniscient, like know what everybody <laughs> wants, right? Yeah, I think um, you'll hear the phrase "everybody's in product" yeah a lot uh-huh. because it is right. Mm-hmm. I want to hear all of the ideas from everybody, but I'm also serving everybody. Yes, right. There's a give and take, right. and so it's a really fine line and a balance between what do, what are our external customers asking for, but how do I enable the business? Mm-hmm. Right, we are. I'm, you know, I'd love to be, but we aren't doing all of this for free and right. a nonprofit of right. some sort. Like, <laughs> we have to make money to continue to provide the service, yes. right? To, to be able to do that for our customers. And so if we are healthy, then our customers get the best product. Mm-hmm. And so it, it is this balance of understanding that you need to drive the same level of impact for your customers externally as you do for your internal customers. So interesting. That is really, really cool. Um, So I guess if we talk to our people, I'm going to flip back for a minute just to our people who maybe don't have dedicated product Mm -hmm. people. Um, Product 
management still kind of has to happen. You know, I guess yes. what recommendations do you have for them in trying to keep a, an eye on these great things that a product management team would oversee? If yeah. they're smaller, you know, what advice do you have for that kind of person? I think what you'll find is one of the departments, not sure which one, it could be your sales engineering team because they're in technical sales and understand mm-hmm. implementation as well. It could be your implementation team and your customer success team, uh, or it could be your engineering team. It depends okay. on how your business kind of runs or operations actually. And from there, you can tell who's kind of taking lead, right? Mm-hmm. Who's taking in the most customer feedback, external or internal. And I would create like a little committee. So yes, you're not kind of in a room making decisions by yourself. Mm-hmm. And you take one or two people and you kind of meet on a weekly or monthly, depends on how fast your business is moving, mm-hmm. just to discuss the big topics and yes. what you could do to automate or move things forward. What you'll find is that in that group setting, you're going to start to hear the priorities start to bubble up to the surface. Okay. The hard part is you have to pick a lead in that room. Okay. Um, because decision by committee uh, often doesn't work. No. <laughs> so um, you pick a lead and that person's the tiebreaker. Okay. And that person is responsible for keeping that list and helping the rest of the group kind of work towards those same goals. Okay. I think that's great advice. And I think one of the keys, what it sounds like from you, is just making sure that it is, people are aware of it and it's assigned out somehow that people are keeping an yeah. eye on it and making sure that, you know, this this really, really important element of yeah. any business is is getting the right attention. Yep. So I would love to hear specifically about Easy Post now. Okay. So what has been your experience, you know, what drives your vision sure. and what you do here at Easy Post? Yeah, I think um, from day one till now and will continue for a while is I feel like I've just been drinking from a fire hose mm-hmm. of information, right? Because I am learning a whole side of the industry that I've really never had exposure to. I understand logistics. I understand I order a lot of things on Amazon. <laughs> Um, I have to say, too, when I joined the logistics industry, it was like a door open to this hidden world. I that was like, what is happening over here? There's so much to learn. So, yeah, I yeah, get it. The amount of things I order is just slightly out of control. Yeah. Um, so I understand that very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's then, all part of our mar- market it's, research. It, right. It's the market research. That's right. Just doing um, our part. But you start to see things in a new light and you start to understand why it's so complex and why it needs all of the pieces it has. What is uh, interesting to me is this market that we're in, the tech part of um, logistics is highly fragmented. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense because Mm -hmm. we're a little behind in technology. We didn't start in the age of technology. No. And so it really was homegrown. Exactly. Ancient days. Right? Yeah. yeah, really. It was a horse days, uh-huh, right? Like exactly. Were, um, what is it, like 13 pounds of apples? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyways, because of that, you have a lot of homegrown technology. Mm-hmm. You have small vendors or even big vendors. That's a, co- a combination of small vendors that have been mashed together, right? So no one solves the full uh, shipping journey if you will. So by that, I mean, Mm -hmm. from the moment that a customer hops on to an e-commerce platform, purchases an item, gets that item shipped from a warehouse with an actual shipping label on it in a box, right? 
one of the carriers picks it up, gets it to the customer's door, mm -hmm. and then if you don't think you like it or it doesn't fit, right, try to send it back to yep. the warehouse that it came from. That whole cycle probably has seven to eight plus different types of software involved. And if you- You guys know, <laughs> you know, I know you feel that pain. Or a spreadsheet somewhere <laughs> stuffed in the middle of yes. those eight, so, right? So um, you, at, for every gap that you see is a loss in efficiency and time. Mm -hmm. And so if you're doing that eight times, you can think how much that would cost you as a business, mm -hmm. right? To, to have those gaps. You're either losing information along the way or uh, things are really slow to populate one way or the other. So you're losing time mm -hmm. or it just costs you a lot to connect everything together because a person has to, you know, kind of manually pull things together. Yeah. So when that happens, you really want to start to eliminate those gaps. Um, my, you know, my first product role was in a low code workflow management tool, solving exactly this problem, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, adjacent was like quality control for manufacturing. You were doing it on paper and then mm -hmm. the paper would get lost and then you couldn't analyze the data because the numbers were gone, the you know, it would be incomplete. So you're like, oh, we did great this year for quality control. But then I threw away all the papers for the ones <laughs> that we messed up on. Yes, yes. Um, and so it's the same here. It's, you know, you want to close those gaps. You want to make sure you have something that's near real time when you're passing information all the way through. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think EasyPost can come in. So okay. we started as a shipping multi-carrier API platform. Mm -hmm which allowed, you know, a shipper to connect to a bunch of carriers one time. Right. So instead of taking two years, it takes you days, right, to actually be able to ship with all these carriers. But that's only one small piece of it. What about the business logic, right? Mm -hmm. What about how I ship or uh, what I ship depending on the thing that I'm shipping? Yeah. How do I handle that? Okay, that's another piece of software. Well, okay, yeah. I think we should probably just create something very easy for us to do that, right? Yeah, right. Um, and then on the post-purchase side, how do I get tracking numbers out to my customers? How do I keep an eye on those items that are coming back to me, mm -hmm. right? All of that. And so what I would love to see us do at EasyPost is create, instead of go this multi-carrier API, yeah. is to become this all-in-one shipping platform uh -huh. where you can end-to-end -end from the moment that a, that a person puts an item in the shopping cart Right, give them the rates that it costs to ship, mm -hmm. and handle all the returns that are coming back to you once. So the taking starts. the tech stack that's currently like two Empire State Buildings high, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and condensing it into something that people can actually look at. Yeah, I exactly. Love that. That's so really cool. It's not going to push the boundaries of tech, right? Right. But it will absolutely transform this industry. Right. And that goes back to your statements earlier about like just take one step at a time. We're not yep. looking at like massive changes all at once. It's about that's growing right. and improving upon what we have. Yeah. That's, that's so right. cool. Anything else you want to share in that vein? Um, I think we're on the precipice for this industry of, of really change that's coming, right? So we've seen other laggard industries already make this jump. Like medical has yes. seen a lot that's of change. That's I was thinking. Yeah. Yep. In electronic records, right? Mm -hmm. Really adopting that and making sure they're able to leverage technology. 
Um, you're seeing manufacturing really change with robotics and all the work that they've done with um, mm-hmm. IoT, mm-hmm. Uh, Internet of Things, right? Yes. And so why not logistics? Yeah. Right? I agree. And logistics is... In, in some ways, it's like we're such an old school industry and we have these, we're, we're doing something that's been done for generations. That's and right. yet at the same time, it's an industry of numbers. Yes. You know, the yes. every second counts. The first time I stepped into a warehouse, I think my jaw <laughs> dropped at the sheer magnitude of just how important every package and every that's second right. can yeah. be. And so as it sort of exponentially grows. Yeah. All in one. You're right. Love that idea. The scale, right, is mm-hmm. where it matters. Scale you can't get crucial. to sub-second with yeah. paper and pen. No. You have to get there no. with technology. Yeah. So, But one step at a time. <laughs> so don't panic. One step at a time. But, well, we're about out of time today, but I just really want to thank you. I've got to have you come back. Absolutely. Because you have so many great <laughs> insights. I also love talking to women in logistics. It's a male-dominated field, so I love having you here representing, and you've got awesome feedback. So thank you so much for being here, everyone. Please, as always, let us know if you have any other topics or experts you want me to talk to, but we will see you next time. Thanks, everyone.